David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.33 a.m. on the 4th of February 2020. This is episode 193 of Bitcoin and Advancing Bitcoin is first up in the community news. Uh, at, they say at the conference in February, we'll have a dedicated area for hardware and gaming projects from BTC Socialist, Raspy Blitz, and Zebedeo, or Zebedeo, as it's probably pronounced, and others. Steven Stingrev will run two workshops on building hardware wallets, and that's the Advancing Bitcoin Conference, which is in London from the 6th to the 7th of February. So here in a couple of days it starts. Uh, looks like they still have tickets available, uh, talks, workshops, and networking. Looks actually like it's going to be a lot of fun. Next up is Matt O'Dell has tweeted out that they've worked out a deal with Satoshi's Games. Um, and uh, it looks like if you pre-order the, uh, the Light Night game, with the link below, and they give their their uh, uh, affiliate link, you'll get 20% off in a limited edition TFTC-21 shotgun. So apparently they've made a weapon all for the guys over at Tales from the Crypt. Pretty, pretty nice. Let's go ahead and get into this lightning, the uh, LN Trust Chain Torch, or uh, Trust Chain 2 uh, debacle, Mike. It's, yeah, it's apparently Jack still has the torch. Um, let's see what's going what's going on here. My God almighty. Um, I've got a, uh, the BTC shelling point. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's at BTC shelling PT, uh, has says it has reached out directly to, uh, Miles Suter and says, any chance that you can let Jack know he has the LN Trust Chain 2 torch via tipping me? Um, as if you didn't listen yesterday, um, this dude decided that it'd be a a really kick-ass idea to send Jack the torch via his tipping me account, but didn't alert Jack, didn't reach out to Jack. Not that that would be possible for like, you know, like little, little plebs like us, Jack doesn't, doesn't really, you know, uh, talk to, I mean, I'm sure he would, but he, you know, the man probably doesn't have any time. Uh, so yeah, but as far as we know, the guy didn't even try to reach out to Jack to let him know that the trust chain was coming his way. Uh, so this has broken the trust chain again. It's several thefts. Uh, later we get into a situation where it's not really thieved as much as it's just, oh, I don't know, just tipping me to to Jack's account. And Jack still doesn't know that he's got it because there's been no public, uh, uh, public acknowledgement that from Jack, that he understands what the hell's going on. 
So, um, and I'll read this last one here. Um, this is James Swaggy one been following LN trust chain two, as I was part of the original torch, but this one has seen so many thefts and is now lost to a tip and me address. This could have been donated to such a good cause. I, I still think, I, I think the torch will pull out. We just got, you just got a hammer Jack. Um, I, uh, accidentally coined the uh, hashtag Jack hammered. Uh, I probably wouldn't use that hashtag, but, uh, it's going to be up to, to you guys and all, well, all of us to, uh, see if we can get Jack to acknowledge that, uh, he, he has the trust chain and it would be really great if he sent it on. I, I am seeing a whole lot of people here in, in my LN. Tr- I've got a, a whole feed for just the, the trust chain too. Uh, Tanuki BTC is reaching out to Starkness to ping Jack. Uh, Elon Musk is being pinged by goddess of <laughs> goddess of crypto to please send an invoice to Jack for the LN trust chain too. So people are, are getting all over it, but, um, we may need to ramp up the, the, uh, velocity and the rapidity at, <clears throat> or yeah, the velocity and the amount of times in, in total that we ping Jack to let him know what the hell's going on. So right now the LN trust chain two torch is stalled. I'm sure all the haters out there are snickering, even though there's really nothing to snicker about because it's just a mistake on some dude's part to send the damn thing via tipping me address. God, anyway, there's your lightning stuff. All right, vital statistics. As you know, we've had a plunge. Everything's going to be fine, guys. Bitinfocharts.com has Bitcoin at an average of 9,188. Our high is going to be at Bit Asset at 9,267, while our low is going to be at GDAX at 9,167. So we have a $100 play range here. Um, do, 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 what are we at? Oh, uh, we have 300,000 uh, transactions being sent in the last 24 hours with an average transaction number per hour of 12,700. 1.2 million BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours. That's a lot of volume. Uh, 50,000 BTC are being sent on average per hour and 3.88 BTC are being sent on average per transaction. Median transaction value is 0.3032 BTC or about 290 bucks. Block times look like they're, uh, they're all right. 10 minutes, eight seconds, 0.15 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis. And 22 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We've had a bump in hash rate of five and a half percent. That brings us up to 115 exahashes per second. And the last time somebody did something for Bitcoin in the GitHub repository was this morning. Ethereum is at 187, Bcash is at 377, BSV is at 269, Litecoin is at $67.83, and Ethereum Classic is holding at $11.40. Dogecoin also holding at 0.0024 with 29,291 transactions. It is that puts it on top of Litecoin's 27,000 transactions. Now, my note is showing, let me refresh this just because refreshing is always good. Uh, I'm at now, my note is showing 102 exahashes per second, and I'm not 
I'm pretty sure I should probably trust my node rather than anything else because I'm getting I'm getting the the information as fast as you possibly can. Um, we have a really high uh, mempool. Uh, it's loaded up pretty good at almost 40 megabytes with 27,000 unconfirmed transactions. So lots of movement today. All the blocks are full. I've got one, two, I've got two at 100% and everything else in the, the 10 that I can see is at 99 point, anywhere between 0.5 and 0.8%. So big, full, beefy blocks. Uh, we have 11,292 lightning nodes. We have 36,005 uh, channels. We have 880 BTC in network capacity. That's about $8.17 million of liquidity. We have 18 new nodes that came online in the last 24 hours, which is a 20% drop on a day-over-day -day basis, and 114 brand new channels, which is a almost 40% drop in the last 24-hour period. That's going to do it for Vitals. All right, let's start off with talking about the general media sentiment. Um, generally speaking, or rather as of late, I have been putting the majority of these shows together in the morning before I, before I cut the audio. Uh, a while back, like before Christmas, the majority of my stuff was done uh, the night before. But this morning, media sentiment on Bitcoin is pretty fucking harsh. Um, it, that doesn't that clear that's not going to make me a bear. I'm just saying that if you're reading if you're reading news like the text the uh, text based news today, uh, everybody seems to be against Bitcoin. Uh, and what's what's worse is that they're just pumping giant bags of garbage. Um, and I I don't know, man. I'm probably tinfoil hatting it here, but it just seems kind of coordinated. Uh, cause we got, you know, we got Bitcoin in a dip and all of a sudden uh, people are starting to sing praises of XRP and, and, uh, just all kinds of stuff. So just be aware that the media for, uh, the cryptocurrency space is probably just as freaking corrupt as your general media that's out there. Now, uh, moving on, uh, I do want to say I am going to read a story about Tesla because, Mune, yeah. If you if you're just waking up or or haven't heard the you know the news, it's like a hundred dollar price spike on taking it from somewhere like seven seventy to eight seventy or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but this this run up is in. I don't know, man. It may be time to short Tesla. I I don't know. Um, however. I was trying to figure out exactly what was going on because quite frankly, I've never seen a Tesla car on the road, not in Texas, not in the panhandle. And it's not, honestly, there's a lot of rich people up here. Uh, there's rich people. There's certainly a lot of rich people in Midland. There's a whole shit ton of rich people in Lubbock. And even Amarillo has its fair share of rich people. And none of them drive Teslas have yet to see a Tesla on the road anywhere. And yet somehow or another, these guys are just, I don't know. Are they, are they really banking? I mean, what's, what the revenue clearly is there, but what's their profit? Uh, yeah. 
I don't know, man. A lot of this seems fishy because if I saw a whole bunch of Teslas on the road, that would be confirmation. I see none. Of course, and again, maybe where I live, but I have never seen a Tesla on the road except in a place like Santa Fe. And I've seen one in Santa Fe. That's it. But coinspeaker.com has this. Tuta Franjkovic is writing on Tuesday, February the 4th. That would be today. Tesla is to launch ride-sharing app with its own insurance for drivers. So this very well may be what all the hubbub is about. Tesla announced its plans to make its own ride-sharing app before it accomplishes full autonomy. Per its announcement, the driver should be covered under the automaker's own driver insurance. Tesla is taunting its ride-hailing app for a few has been taunting its ride-hailing app for a few years now, and the point is that the app should be powered by Tesla's self-driving system. Tesla Network, as its CEO Elon Musk called it, was in his head since last year when he talked about achieving full autonomy of his vehicles. However, during the company's Q4 earnings release last week, Musk said there is an option that Tesla Network will be released with human drivers instead of full self-driving. He said, quote, I think it will probably make sense to enable car sharing in advance of the kind of robo-taxi fleet because the car sharing can be done before full self-driving is approved by regulators. So it's probably something that we would enable before a sort of robo-taxi fleet is enabled. Let's not forget that back in 2019, Tesla began with its in-house insurance and claimed with rates of more than 30% cheaper than its competitors. The car insurance program first started offering its packages to clients in Australia and Hong Kong. Since then, it spread to several other markets, including North America. However, before these packages were offered in cooperation with other insurers, now Tesla is going on its own, still only in California for now. Tesla CFO Zach Kirkhorn spoke about spreading onto other markets, saying, Quote, Tesla insurance is currently available in California. A couple of things that we're working on this front. The first is to expand it to other locations, and we are preparing the regulatory processes, preparing our processes to go through the regulatory processes in those locations. My God, (laughs) it's a lot of processes. We're also working on the processes to continue to adjust our rates in California, which also have to go through regulatory, you guessed it, processes as insurance is quite heavily regulated. Musk also added that his belief is that Tesla will be able to offer even better discounts based on the use of its autopilot under their own insurance program. And Musk is right on way. What? This must be a really bad uh, translation from some other, I don't know, man, this is just terrible, terrible English. This is just a butchering of the King's English. One thing is sure all the info about the vehicles in the fleet gives its clients a sense of security and therefore a qualitative advantage over other insurers. He said, quote, I think it would make sense for us to close loop on higher use of autopilot. It reduces the insurance costs as well as the probability of injury. So I think insurance is going to be quite a major product of Tesla over time. The amount of money that people spend on car insurance is like a remarkably big percentage of the cost of a car. Like you can lease a Model 3 right now for 400 bucks a month, but a typical owner in California will be paying sort of in between $100 and $200 a month on insurance. For now, a timeline for the expansion of Tesla insurance outside of California or the release of its Tesla network ride-sharing app is still not known. So, 
the the takeaway from this one is the fact that it looks to me like uh, Tesla's probably going to roll out car insurance for probably people that don't even own a Tesla. Not, I mean, that was sort of in between. Uh, they're they're talking about it right now as just insurance on Tesla, you know, their robo fleet, and then you know before the robo fleet hits hits the streets, you know, human driven Tesla cars, all riding under their insurance. But I'll I'll bet you what ends up happening is that they're go going to go up against uh, Progressive and the other insurance uh, auto insurance companies, just rolling out a product uh, insurance product on their own because they've already got all the shit in place. If that were to occur, that's a pretty healthy income stream if they can make that work. So it's probably not surprising that we're seeing spikes in Tesla. Um, you know, it's one of those things. I've got zero, I've got zero position in Tesla. I, I do. That's just like, you know, I, I, I'm not a big guy on stocks. I, I look at valuations and just look at, um, the ratios of price to earnings. And I'm just like, I'm kind of always dumbfounded that I'm would be paying an, an 18 multiple to, you know, sometimes 60 or a hundred multiples on earnings to be able to say that I own some company's share. And I'm just not going to, I just, I don't know. I'm losing out big time, but, but it's all personally, I think it's, it's mostly hype. I really do. I I don't think Tesla should be valued anywhere close to what it is, but it is. Okay, you know I ain't you know can't get around that fact. Now on to uh, some island news. Bermuda is planning a comprehensive crypto ecosystem. This was from February the second, and John Biggs writing for CoinDesk. In what must have been a drastic change for Dennis Pitcher, chief fintech advisor to the premier of Bermuda, he and Coindesk's Michael Casey took to the chilly streets of Davos to talk about his government's steps to enable blockchain adoption in the island nation. In the summer of 2018, we launched a comprehensive regulatory framework to provide clarity and leverage, said Pitcher. We introduced a principle-based framework that allowed us to define more of a scope around a business plan as opposed to specific activities. That allows you to have the flexibility to focus on managing risks of what's new in this space. Pitcher hopes to create a system that allows Bermudians to spend the digital currency they receive on government services and, in so doing, build a bridge to overseas economies. Quote, by allowing the government to accept it, it provides an opportunity for merchants to start saying, well, I can look at accepting digital dollars, he said. So taxi operators, tourism operators, commercial businesses have a place to actually spend, which means that you're not going to have to fall back to the traditional financial system. Pitcher hopes these systems will finally introduce ordinary Bermudians into the global financial ecosystem. Quote, our history allows us to really understand financial services, but the challenge that comes from this is that when it comes to access to financial services, Bermudians are largely excluded. We don't have access to PayPal, Revolut, or Square, and in order to actually get access to the Apple App Store, we buy credit or gift cards. Wow. Quote, we're too small, he said. Nobody cares about it, 60,000 people. With a digital currency plan, however, Pitcher believes Bermuda will become more than just a financial product supplier and will eventually turn into a financial powerhouse of its own. So there you go. And I had no idea that, that the guys from Bermuda were that shut out. It's not like it's an island of terrorists or anything like that. I mean, my God, people, they walk around the beach all day wearing shorts and drinking 
rum, I guess. I don't know. Never been to Bermuda, but it doesn't matter. Uh, 60,000 people apparently don't have access to PayPal, Revolut, or Square. That just seems... I don't know. That that seems a little odd. It just it doesn't seem like it would be that big of a deal for Jack to slip square into Bermuda, but what whatever. I mean, why wouldn't you? The tourism industry over there is pretty extensive. Even if it is just an island of 60,000 people, I mean, come on. You're just missing out here, guys. And who else is missing out? Bitspark. Uh, Helen Parts is writing for Coin Telegraph sometime this morning. Bitspark shuts down amid restructuring coronavirus, and protests. Hong Kong-based blockchain remittance startup BitSpark has abruptly announced its closure, citing internal restructuring issues. On February the 3rd, BitSpark co-founder and CEO George Harrop officially announced the platform's plan to shut down its services on March the 4th, 2020. According to the statement, BitSpark users will be able to withdraw their cryptocurrencies from February 3rd to March 4th as the platform's functionality will stay intact over the period. After March 4th, account logins will be disabled for a period of 90 days, with users being able to withdraw their funds via BitSpark customer support, the announcement read. Harop emphasized that the firm's abrupt closure comes despite the excellent performance that BitSpark has seen since the release of its new remittance service CashPoint in 2019. According to Harop, BitSpark saw 400% month-over-month growth after releasing the product. Co-founded by Harp and Maxine Ryan in 2014, BitSpark emerged as a major blockchain-powered financial services company for the Asia-Pacific region, serving countries like Vietnam, the Philippines, and Indonesia. BitSpark's closure comes a month after its co-founder, Ryan, announced her intention to step down from her position as chief operating officer. According to the official announcement, Ryan's decision caused internal restructuring issues that have been exacerbated by the coronavirus outbreak in China as well as anti-government protests in Hong Kong, which drove BitSpark to close the firm. Quote, unfortunately, due to internal restructuring that hasn't worked out and a decision taken by shareholders internally, we have made the decision to close our doors. While the Hong Kong protests and now virus epidemic haven't affected us much, it hasn't helped either, end quote. In a Twitter thread on February the 3rd, Ryan confirmed BitSpark's reasons for the closure. Quote, what caused the closure? As of a month ago, I made the decision to... to step down from my position as COO of BitSpark. This naturally caused a need to restructure the company, which unfortunately landed this result. This paired with the landscape of Hong Kong with protests and the coronavirus where BitSpark HQ is located, the team and shareholders decided this was the best way forward to prevent integrity decay of the company. End quote. Despite claiming that Ryan and Harop lost their dreams as founders, Ryan still emphasized that BitSpark's closure does not mean the crypto and blockchain industry is in decline. <laughs> quote, whether you call it Bitcoin, crypto, blockchain, this industry is an incredible one. Please do not take this as a sign of its decline as it's stronger than ever. And I cannot wait to see what its future holds. End quote. BitSpark conducted an initial coin offering amid the ICO hype of 2017 launching its Zephyr Rewards Token ICO in November of that year for a project specializing in the transfer of fiat money on a blockchain, and it's gone. You bought a bag of crap, and it's gone. Sorry. This is why you don't buy shit coins, especially from exchanges. And that whole the whole uh, hubris here for saying that they, they were going to take it on themselves to make sure that people knew that the industry wasn't dying because of BitSpark. My God, the narcissistic navel-gazing on that one is just cringe, bro. 
Now, more cringe. U.S. Marshals will auction $40 million in Bitcoin this month. This is Coindesk uh, Nicholas Day writing sometime yesterday. The United States Marshal Service <clears throat> is auctioning nearly $40 million in Bitcoin, the first such auction since the end of 2018. The Marshals will auction approximately 4,040 Bitcoin worth $37.7 million at press time, according to Coindesk Bitcoin Price Index. To registered bidders on February the 18th, the press release said, potential bidders must register by February the 12th. Quote, the auction will take place during a six-hour period on February the 18th. Bids will be accepted by email from pre-registered bidders only. Bidders will also be required to make a $200,000 deposit before being able to bid. Participants who do not win their bids will receive these back. The Bitcoin will be sold in four lots with 2,500, 1,540.54 Bitcoin each. The first three lots are further split into blocks, each with their own set number of Bitcoin. The Bitcoin for this month's auction come from more than 50 administrative forfeitures and legal cases, according to the Marshall's website. The agency has auctioned Bitcoin since at least 2014. It most recently auctioned 660 Bitcoin in November of 2018 and raised well over $50 million in auctions during that year alone. So auctioning of the corn is going to occur. Daily HODL, <clears throat> talking not about Bitcoin, but Cash, dirty, stinky cash. This is the Daily Hotel staff writing sometime yesterday on the run. Officials in Texas seized $200,000 in cash from man suspected of money laundering. Gee, maybe we should ban cash because money laundering and all that shit, right? The Texas Department of Public Safety says a routine traffic stop in Carson County led to the seizure of 200 grand in cash in a case that appears to highlight how traditional money is used for money laundering. According to ABC 7 News, at around 2.20 p.m. on January the 27th, the trooper pulled over a 2017 Chevrolet Malibu heading west on I-40 near Conway for a traffic-related offense. Officials say that they uncovered several foil-wrapped packages of cash located in the vehicle leading to the arrest of the driver, Vladimir Blanco, a 48-year-old resident of Riverside, Missouri. Blanco is charged with money laundering and was booked into the county jail, according to the incident report, and was allegedly transporting the cash from Kansas City, Missouri to Albuquerque, New Mexico. While Bitcoin is often criticized for enabling crime and widespread money laundering, the digital currency, which moves money directly from the sender to a recipient across the Internet, joins an existing landscape of methods and tools that are used for nefarious transactions. Despite detractors who claim that cryptocurrencies are purposely designed for criminals and tax evaders, evidence shows that cash far outperforms Bitcoin when it comes to crime. According to a report by Chainalysis BTC that's used for money laundering can be tracked, particularly when bad actors try to cash out by moving their crypto funds to exchanges. Quote, over the course of the entire year, we traced $2.8 billion in Bitcoin that moved from criminal entities to exchanges. End quote. That figure stacks up with nearly uh, $2 trillion laundered each year through a web of traditional banks, as well as the estimated $1.5 trillion worth of $100 bills that have vanished without a trace. Despite all evidence to the contrary, U.S. Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin, or Mnuchin told CB CNBC anchor Joe Kernan in July of 2019 that cash is not used for money laundering, drug trade, or other illegal Transactions, Jesus. 
I remember that. I just the again the cringe on a statement such as that is just I don't even know how you say that kind of shit with a straight face. It's it's bizarre in in either event. <clears throat> yeah. So the the thing is is that they don't say a single thing about how they know it was laundering. I mean, you can carry cash. This actually looks more like civil forfeiture and, uh, you know, than, than money laundering. The only difference is why the hell wrap them in, in aluminum foil? That doesn't make any sense. And also, guys, if you're going to be transporting shit tons of cash, make sure all your headlights work, all your taillights work, your, your front uh, blinker lights need to be working, your windshield wipers need to be working. You need a, a full tank of gas. You need a half a pack of cigarettes. You need to be wearing sunglasses. And what you don't do is make fucking traffic infractions like speeding, blowing through stop signs, running red lights. If you're going to do shit like this, you're going to have to to obey the rules. Otherwise, you're going to get stopped and you're going to have your cash taken from you. Twitter co-founder backed fintech startup rolls out Bitcoin banking app. Anna Alexandri is writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. Mode, a financial services firm backed by Twitter co-founder Biz Stone, has rolled out its Bitcoin banking app on iOS devices. The British company made its app available globally, with the exception of the United States, of course. Fintech-focused media outlet Finextra reported on February the 4th. Customers can start using the app with as much as 50 pounds sterling or 65 bucks and buy Bitcoin with bank cards or through a bank transfer. The funds are further processed through digital asset custodian BitGo. The app ostensibly allows users to credit funds almost instantly by means of faster payment process. Ariane or Ariane Murphy, head of communications and marketing at Mode, said that the Mode app addresses transaction restriction issues, <clears throat> low speed, high cost, lack of security, and most importantly, tackles the poor user experience typically associated with Bitcoin apps. Prior to using the app, Mode requires the users to undergo a, you guessed it, KYC procedure, which is carried out by an AI-enabled identity verification technology. Founded in 2018, Mode, whose parent company is UK-based fintech firm R8 Group, or I guess that's Rate, opened a waiting list for the app last October, initially making it available via invitation only. Industry players have long been in search of ways to speed up slow Bitcoin transactions. The Bitcoin Lightning Network adds an additional layer to Bitcoin's blockchain, enabling users to create payment channels between any two parties on the extra layer. This ensures almost instant transactions with extremely low or even non-existent fees. Recently, a group of researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology revealed a new solution which is able to notably reduce Bitcoin blockchain-based transaction times and even boost profits. Sounds like a Ferengi. Profits. Okay. So uh, again, I want to warn people about getting into this extremely low or even non-existent fees on the Lightning Network narrative. That's a dangerous narrative. We don't know. Um, that narrative was used by Roger Ver and a few of the very early Bitcoin adopters saying, look, you can send fees with money with no fees or hardly any fees at all. And it's so cheap. And then that was used against the entire Bitcoin chain in the scaling, uh, scaling debate wars. Um, what should have never happened <clears throat> is that net narrative should have never gotten out into the wild. 
because nobody at the time knew what the hell was going to happen with fees. There's actually probably quite a few people that did know exactly what was going to happen with fees, that they would become expensive if you're going to move that much money around. But in either event, we screwed up and we got into that narrative was used as um, detraction for the Bitcoin network as a whole. I highly recommend not getting into that trap again. So every time you hear somebody say something about Lightning Network and low or non-existent fees, make sure that you correct them and say, we don't know what the hell is going to happen with fees on the Lightning Network. And if fees get too high, maybe a third layer will come along. We don't know. Please stop talking about shit like that. Bitcoin SV... God sees minor split as blockchain shifts to Genesis upgrade. This is written by Patty Baker for Coindesk sometime this morning. <clears throat> BSV has hard forked with apparently just one minor issue taking its blockchain back to the first Genesis iteration of the Bitcoin protocol. The network upgraded at approximately 2 o'clock UTC Tuesday, implementing Genesis rules that bring about the full restoration of Satoshi's Bitcoin protocol. Jimmy Wynn, president of the Bitcoin Association and BSV advocate, tweeted adding the historic moment had been confirmed at block 620,539. By rolling out the original Bitcoin protocol first released by Satoshi Nakamoto in 2019, the Genesis fork removes the default hard cap for blocks sizes, reportedly removing limits for transaction capacity and increasing on-chain scalability. Doing away with the hard cap allows businesses to build. I don't even want to read the rest of this because it looks like Coindesk is, or Patty Baker is just raw rawing, but let's, let's get into this part. BitMEX Research tweeted that there was still a significant number of nodes that have not upgraded for the hard fork and are stuck at the pre-hard fork block an hour or so after the Genesis implementation. Initially, there appeared to be no signs of a chain split where a blockchain splinters into multiple active versions, but BitMEX Research reported just a few hours later the pre-Genesis chain had been extended by one block. A BSV spokesperson confirmed to Coindesk the split had been caused by one miner, which in the scheme of things is very good. The Bitcoin Association was <clears throat> trying to contact. That's an odd sentence. I don't know why that last part's in there. <clears throat> Wynn said that this was not a persistent chain split, but what appeared to be a miner who did not up update their software to Genesis. None of the mining pools so far contacted by the association had been responsible for the inadvertent block. A single block inadvertently mined on the wrong chain will not be extended. Just the way Nakamoto consensus is supposed to work as described in the Bitcoin white paper. Nodes consider the longest chain is valid and extend that branch, Wynn said. BSV has been in the center of the controversy since it forked from Bitcoin Cash in November of 2018. One of its main proponents, Craig Wright, has claimed to be Bitcoin's inventor Satoshi Nakamoto since 2016. Many industry figures have disagreed with his claims, however... And that's really all you need to know about it. So the whole BSV, this, somehow or another, they've they've or have gone back to this Genesis thing. I don't believe a word of it. I don't think it has any. I don't think that they are capable of doing anything but fucking this thing up. Um, I don't think they're this thing actually does anything of what it says it 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 does. I think it's just all smoke and mirrors, but we'll, we'll have to see what happens after this. Uh, BitPay CEO platform will support more cryptocurrencies and possibly the lightning network. Yeah. 
Rachel Wolfson writing about an irrelevant company for Cointelegraph sometime this morning or late last night during an exclusive interview with Cointelegraph, BitPay CEO Stephen Pear said that the platform would soon add support for more cryptocurrencies along with possible Lightning Network integration. While Pear was unable to disclose which cryptos would be added to the platform next, he mentioned that there's focus on the top performing blockchains with the highest market capitalization. He said, quote, I'm not going to specifically name which ones we will add, but you can look at CoinMarketCap to see all the top blockchains and come up with good guesses in what we are interested in. We are looking at cryptocurrencies that have adoption and work well for payments. We also might add some smaller ones that aren't as adopted, but are doing something innovative around payments in, quote, BitPay, which has been operating since 2011 has become a leading Bitcoin payment service provider. According to Pair, the company conducts over a billion dollars a year in payment volume and has about 30,000 active merchant accounts. Major enterprises like AT&T and Microsoft also use BitPay to allow customers to make transactions using cryptocurrency. While BitPay is known for accepting Bitcoin, Bcash, and Ether for online and in-store payments, Pair has noticed that customers are requesting different cryptocurrencies to be used for transactions, noting we constantly get asked about cripple and a number of shit coins. Our customers would prefer that we support all cryptocurrencies, but we have to make choices. BitPay recently added support for Ripple, the cryptocurrency used by Ripple's payment networks. Uh, BitPay CMO Bill Zilke said that BitPay merchants everywhere are now able to accept XRP without any additional integrations required. BitPay also supports three stable coins pegged to the U.S. dollar, which is the USD coin, Gemini dollar, and Paxos standard token the platform, however, has been criticized for not supporting Tether, which is the stablecoin with the largest trading volumes. Pear explained that BitPay hasn't seen strong demand for Tether. Moreover, he noted that the current speculation around Tether has left the company hesitant to add it. Pear also mentioned that the Lightning Network is high on our list for what we are considering adding to the platform. Quote, the whole idea of the Lightning Network is to allow payments to happen off the blockchain so they don't take up space and storage, letting them achieve higher scalability. End quote. About a year ago, a conversation regarding if and when BitPay would add support for the Lightning Network took place on Reddit. And although it would appear that some users are anxious for the integration, <clears throat> there is still debate that on-chain Bitcoin transactions are better than Lightning transactions. Pair, however, told Cointelegraph that the most important aspect for BitPay is listening to customer feedback. He said, quote, If our customers are asking for Lightning payments or Bcash payments or crap payments, crap is spelled XRP, then that's what matters to us. It's perfectly reasonable for someone to perform Lightning transactions on top of Bcash and other Bitcoin-like blockchains. Nobody's going to build it. Um, Support for more cryptocurrencies and possible integration with the Lightning Network may have some thinking that BitPay is positioning itself to become the next PayPal for cryptocurrencies. While this may be, the company has, like PayPal, been criticized for restricting payments in a few instances. A $100,000 donation to the Amazon Rainforest charity was reportedly blocked by BitPay last August. The reason being was that charity organization known as Amazon Watch failed to meet BitPay's, quote, internal standards. Last September, the Hong Kong Free Press also complained that BitPay was holding donor funds for weeks. 
Pear explained that the Hong Kong Free Press didn't have their bank account set up correctly and that there were additional steps needed to be taken before transactions could be made. He said, we have a tiered system at BitPay that starts with minimal documentation and then more documentation along the way. Oftentimes, things like this happen because companies haven't gone through verifications or gotten approved for higher tiers. Pear also mentioned that BitPay takes regulations very seriously and that the company is fully compliant with U.S. regulations. According to Pear, being compliant in the U.S. is the main reason merchants choose to use BitPay over other service providers. Some competitors haven't thought through the full payment experience for a, from a merchant's perspective, he said. Pear also attributes good customer support and e-commerce tool integrations as reasons for BitPay's success. Although BitPay may have all the elements required to become the next PayPal, it won't. Increased user adoption of cryptocurrencies is the next step. In the meantime, Pear noted that BitPay's goal is to reach the point where people naturally expect to have the option to pay with cryptocurrencies wherever they go. He said, quote, once you achieve that level of ambiguity, you will be able to send cryptocurrency, spend cryptocurrency easily. The missing link now is embedding it, which is not something that will happen overnight. Rather, this will happen like the evolution of the Internet. I think we'll, we will see a similar story around blockchain payments. Ah, uh, uh, BitPay. Uh, okay, this is the last one, and this one's, in my, in my opinion, is funny as hell. Uh, this is Christina Combin writing this morning for Bitcoinist.com. R- Ripple's XRP is dog shit, says BitMEX CEO. <laughs> February 5th should have been an exciting day for Ripple as behemoth derivatives exchange BitMEX adds a new perpetual swap contract for its crap token. But while BitMEX is proud to announce the new trading pair, CEO Arthur Hayes calls XRP dog shit on socials. As per a company announcement, BitMEX stated that it was proud to reveal its latest trading pair. It will be adding XRP USD swap contract on February the 5th at 4 o'clock UTC. Uh, the XRP contract on BitMEX will offer up to 50 times leverage, according to BitMEX site. Oh, God. <laughs> That's just chilling. BitMEX joins a growing list of exchanges adding Ripple's token to their derivatives options. Indeed, XRP futures seem to be somewhat the flavor of the month. Both Binance and OKX have opted for an XRP USDT contract offering up to 75 and 100 times leverage, respectively, (laughs) while smaller exchanges have offered similar contracts for a while. This renewed interest in Ripple's XRP has led many to question whether this could be the start of the new alt season. (sighs) Despite being the biggest loser in 2019, XRP led the charge in 2017's alt season in astronomic bubble. The added liquidity from BitMEX should create more volatility in XRP's price, currently trading around 25 cents. The new listing should be bullish for XRP and its price, except BitMEX CEO calls XRP dog shit. Ripple fans should be celebrating this listing and looking forward to more meaningful price action, except that this day will now be tainted with a whiff of something unpleasant. As BitMEX CEO Arthur Hayes vocally dissed Ripple's token on Twitter, and they've got Arthur Hayes' quote right here. Arthur Hayes says, It is called Ripple, XRP, or dog shit. Who knows? Who cares? It's worth more than zero, so it's time to trade the USD pair on BitMEX. Boo yakasha, Oh, Arthur. (laughs) 
This type of outburst on Twitter won't go down well with Ripple as one of crypto's most influential people outwardly slates XRP. It also shows the BitMEX CEO cares very little about the quality of his projects he lists as long as they make him money. And it gives yet another reminder of the responsibility that comes with power and the dangers of loose fingers on Twitter. In my opinion, Christina Combrin doesn't really understand this space because Arthur Hayes knows that XRP is dog shit, but everybody also knows that Arthur Hayes has been doing this stuff for a long time. This should come as no surprise. And again, this is this last part, uh, this where she says this type of outburst won't go down with well with Ripple as one of mo- crypto's most influential people outwardly slates XRP. Uh, and then it goes, she goes on to say, you know, cares very little about the quality of the projects as long as they make him money. This is the kind of thing that I've been seeing all day or all morning long. Uh, and it's it, in a way it's like you're, you're caring, care, caring too much about giant bags of garbage. And for some reason or another, these, these writers are, are lending their names and their words to things that really don't matter because Ripple doesn't matter. It Sure, it'll make you money. That's where Arthur Hayes is. That's where his head's at right now. It's going to make him a shit ton of money. <clears throat> the problem is, is that, well, he's making a shit ton of money on the stupidity of a, a lot of people, and it's really too bad. I, I hate seeing that. But in either event, there's the morning roundup. Everybody's hungry for the alt season. Apparently, I just, uh, I I don't care. But since everybody is hungry for the alt season, I thought I'd uh, uh, play you a song that will fit in with that. This is not going to be by the original band that, that made the song uh, as popular as it was. This is Muse, which is a band that I, that I really like because the guys in that band are really pretty talented and they cut a version of this song that is pretty much second to none.
Correct is brought to you by CZ Binance, who says, store coins yourself. You fight hackers yourself and guard from losing wallet yourself. Computer breaks, USBs get lost. Store on an exchange? Only use the most reputable, proven, secure exchanges or move to DEX. Disrupt ourselves. Now, that's not worth the sound effect, but... This is actually from last year. Uh, This is like almost, this is over a year old. This is from the 15th of January. He's responding to this Coindesk article, New Zealand-based cryptocurrency exchange Cryptopia NZ has gone offline claiming significant losses arising from a hack. So what does CZ's, you know, what does he tell you to do? It's okay to store it on an exchange as long as it's reputable. Well, how the hell do you know it's reputable? I mean, sure, Binance is, is, I guess, reputable, but it's not like that that means that they're immune to a hack. This is more of a abject lesson in not being stupid than it is a train wrecked, although there is some, some wreckedness about it. Don't store your coins on exchanges. Don't use them as a bank. If you're going to trade, then I get it. You're going to need to have coins on an exchange, but only have those coins on an exchange while you're trading. Take them off after. If you keep them there, then and you and that exchange gets hacked, you're hosed. And again, it doesn't matter what exchange could be BitMEX, could be Binance gets, you know, gets hacked. Any of these things can get hacked. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And if they hold your keys, then your keys go along for the ride of the hack. Store your keys yourself, either on a paper wallet, a hardware wallet. There's many to choose from, a crypto steal or something like that. Um, yesterday I was talking about just getting the, uh, people starting out, getting in, you know, most people or not most, but a whole bunch of people already have cash app. If you're trying to get them to get into Bitcoin and they just ask them, Hey, you got cash app. Uh, and they say, yes. And it's like, then open up cash app and I'll show you how to get Bitcoin and then tell them get 20 bucks. I think it's okay to keep 20 bucks on uh, like a custodial system because it's, it's 20 bucks. I mean, if you lose 20 bucks and it's the end of your life, you got way bigger problems, way bigger problems. Should not even be like dabbling in this shit if 20 bucks will kill you, okay? But when you're getting into like 200, 2,000, 20,000, 200,000, you're just asking, asking for problems, okay? So if you have a large amount of Bitcoin and you know what you're doing, then you should know to keep it on a hardware wallet. Not your keys, not your coins. Terrible Joke Corner is Dad Says Jokes. If you're attacked by a mob of clowns, go for the juggler. And I'm just not even... Not even going to set up the, the applause and shit on that one. Um, because this is, I, I'm making this a short show. So let's just get on into the outro. Again, media sentiment today is against Bitcoin and for shit coins. I believe that the entire media is somehow or another collectively, either on purpose or just through hive mind action, begging for alt season. 
begging for alt season and we will probably get an alt season, I guess. But <sighs> trading an alt season means, I don't know. Honestly, I actually don't know what it means. How the hell do you look at fundamentals of bags of garbage? There's, I mean, is it pure technical analysis at that point where you jump from coin to coin to coin and hope, hope that your exit is higher than your entry? That, to me, I don't know, man. It seems like a whole lot of anxiety. That You're just begging to, to live in a bath of anxiety, like anxiety stew. And that, I don't know, man, that shit can't be good for your heart, blood pressure, mental, you know, faculties. If you got to do it, you know, more power to you. I hope you don't get wrecked. If you do, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.